Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Right, 316, you can follow me at the door and I'm going to welcome Chris, who's preaching today. Give him a warm welcome. Good. How are you all? Very well. It's good, isn't it? When God is in the house. Now, I was going to start with an apology because I think, I was going to say, I think we're going to overrun, but maybe we're not because maybe God's organized it. While we're having the uh, night of prayer, um, Simon had asked me to close off the series about great love. And whilst we were in the worship, it's kind of like, you know, I've got a download. But it's like it was two separate sermons, and I'm thinking, how does this work? Because have I got to preach two sermons in one go? Because that's quite tough. So what we're going to do is we're going to see how this goes and see whether God really was in this, or was it just I had too much coffee and chocolate biscuits at the um, night of prayer? Are you feeling loved up? Are you? Are you all of a tingle? Are you moved by the love of God? Are you deeply moved? Have you been won over by the amazing grace that God shows us in his love for us through Jesus Christ? We've been learning that love is all around. It's everywhere because God is love and God is everywhere and God is in us and we are in God. And there's no love without God. Have you noticed it's in our music? It's in our films? It's in our books? You know, God is speaking to us through all these creative cultures. And love is what we really need. You see, God created everything. And God is love. And therefore, love is there in everything, if we just take time to look for it. And as human beings, we have a great capacity to love, but we also have a great capacity to hate. Good and evil. The eternal struggle that seems to go on. And again, that's reflected, isn't it? In our songs, in our films, in our books. And it's even there in God's word, the Bible. But we know, and I can tell you the good news, good wins in the end. Because I've gone to the back of the book and read the ending. And it says that God wins and that God comes and God recreates and God makes all things new. And God says, it was good and it's going to be good again. And there is no other force, no greater force in all creation than love. So let's come and find a little bit about this, shall we? Now this is our key verse, and I was very, very, very taken by the word that came. Because God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So is God living in you? 
For God to be living in you, you've got to be living in love. And when we live in love and God lives in us, that's when we begin to become more like him. Jesus wrote in John 14, I am in the Father and the Father is in me and we will come and live in you. The good news is that the Father comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and he comes and he lives in you. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the eternal God living in you. God is love. And to live in love is to live the Christian life, is to be Christ-like. And we have to live in love. So what's this secret? How do we live in love? Well, I want to tell you, it comes down to what you believe. And it comes down to fundamentally about what you believe about yourself. What you truly believe. Not what you say, but what you truly believe. Now, if I come up to you after the sermon and say, how are you? What will you say to me? Fine. (laughs) And then I'll take one look at you and I'll say, do I truly believe that? Or do I believe there's something else going on? Now, I want to share something with you, which if you want to live in love, then there's some fundamental things you've got to grasp and believe. And without believing these things, you will struggle in your Christian life to live in love and to live as God wants you to live. So shall we look? Good. Okay. Let's go. God is love. What does it mean to experience God's love? Well, to experience God's love means to know to really know that you are accepted just as you are, unconditionally, totally, completely accepted by God because he loves you. You're accepted. There's no striving. There's no proving. There's no trying to be because God says you are. You are accepted because you've been loved. And because you're loved, it's because you've been freely forgiven. You were loved because Jesus died for you. Because he was obliged to. He didn't have to do it because he was told to. No, it was love that took him to the cross and it was love that held him on the cross. At any point, the son of the living God could have come down from the cross and said, blow this, this is just too much. But he didn't. He loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us. And to live in love, you've got to get past the wrong beliefs that we can all carry. I'm just not good enough. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. God can't possibly accept me. But the truth of the Bible 
is that you are accepted unconditionally, totally, and completely. Why does God love us so much? I don't know. (laughs) When I look at myself and I think, why on earth does God love me? Why does God accept me when I know who I really am? But he does. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm accepted. Oh, that was, no, that was pretty feeble. What are you? Are you? Good. You're out there. You see, once you're accepted, once you know that you're accepted in the love of God, then you have security. You're secure in God's love. He calls you his child. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants the best for you. And nothing ever in all creation is ever going to separate you from his love. You're totally and utterly secure in that love. Do you feel that? Do you know that? Because actually it's not about feelings, it's about knowing. And if God is for you, who can be against you? What can people do to you? What can people say about you? What can people do to pull you down? Nothing. Because you are secure in the living God. You see, whatever happens to me, God loves me. Whether things go well or badly, God loves me. Whether I make a success or something, or I fail at something, it doesn't matter, because God loves me. And I'm secure in that love. And every night he watches over me. And each day he is with me. And he goes before me to make a way. His angels watch over us, and they minister to us in ways that are seen and unseen. Because God loves us and he sends his angels to watch over us. Love secures me and anchors me in life's storms. Love drives out fear. Love brings peace and joy. Have you heard of the Weeble? Do you remember that song? What was it? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's what it's like when you're loved by God. Life can bring you a wobble, but you don't fall down. Because God brings you back up in his love. So, let's move on because the time's time's ticking. I'm getting carried away. Once you're accepted and you're secure, you know you have value. You have self-worth. And you know one of the biggest problems I think across all generations is a lack of feeling valued the the lack of feeling that I am worth something and as we've said before you know it's not about how many like that doesn't give you security that doesn't give you value it's God's love that does all that You know, God has put a high price on you. God's son, his only son, came and died on a cross for you. 
you are valuable to him. He thought it was you were worth enough to die for. So to live in love is to know that you're totally accepted, you're totally secure, and you're totally valued. God has unconditional love for you today if you will just believe what he says about you as a child of God. So turn to each other and say, I'm valued. Now you may notice, I gave you, I've given you a little acronym there to kind of remember these things. You're now sworn in as members of the SAS. Okay? And they are amazing people. You know, until we believe these truths, until we accept those truths, until those truths are deeply ingrained in us, we will really struggle to live in love. And Jesus said, when I tell you, when you know the truth, it's the truth that will set you free. So when you know the truth of God's love for you and how much you're accepted, how much you're valued, how secure you are, then you can live in love. Now, one of the things about getting old is that you tell the same stories over and over again. Have you noticed that? So I'm just about to indulge in my age, if that's all right with you. I want to illustrate what I've just talked to you about. There was a time when I'd been accepted to become the pastor of the church, but I was still working in the job I was working in. And we were looking for some training to do, and everybody's talking about theological college, but no, God sent us off to learn all about Christian counselling at CWR. So we went on a week's course, which was an introduction to the the course about Christian counselling. It was a total and utter scam. Because what they were really doing is really sussing out, did you know who you really are in Christ? And that's what the week was all about, really. And uh, during that week, we were given an exercise, and it was to go and study the story of the prodigal son. And so we were given an afternoon to go and do that. So I went away to my little quiet space there and uh, started reading and meditating on that story. And what the revelation came to me that God spoke into my heart. He said, you're my son. You're my son. That was pretty moving. That was a real God moment. But God, I've noticed, has a way of trying to make sure that we get what he's told us. Have you noticed that? So I was on this course, and it was that afternoon, and that evening I had to go to London. Um, So I had to leave the course because we had an award dinner, and uh, I had to attend it because that was my boss's desire. I did what my boss said. So being me, I missed the train I was supposed to get on um, because I'm late for everything. And I got on the next train, and I suddenly realised I was not going to have time to book into the hotel before I could go, go to the place where the prize-giving was. So I phoned the hotel and said, look, I'm not going to be able to get there, but I've got a room booked. Can you make sure you keep a room for me? Thinking that will do it. So we go to the award dinner. Oh, by the way, we won the award. And we get back to the hotel at about midnight. And I go to the desk, and you say, what's your name? And he goes, and he goes in the computer... And he looks at you and you think, oh dear. Uh, excuse me, sir. Um, just having a slight... Um, 
I did phone. Oh, no, 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 no. And you can just tell something's not right. At that point, I start looking around the reception area thinking, have they got any sofas that I can lie on? Because I've missed the last train. Anyway, the guy goes away from the desk and he goes and obviously has a chat with somebody. He comes back and he says, here is something. We hope you'll enjoy this. And, yet, and the thought that immediately goes through your head if you've travelled on business is, I'm going to be at the end of the corridor in the room where the heating pipes run through all night and clang, you know? So I go up to my room and um, open the door. And, uh, wow, that was... Yeah, I kind of walked in. I think, whoa, I've got two beds. <laughs> what am I going to do with two beds? Enormous telly, beautiful room, uh, window, looking over the lights of London. It was really amazing. There was a bathroom. I won't show you a picture of that. It was, it was nice. But there was this other door, and I'm thinking, what's, what's, what's behind this door? So there I am at midnight in this room, which I'm going to be in for six hours. And I've got a lounge, I've got a fully equipped kitchen, I've got a PlayStation, I've got two televisions, two beds. And I kind of thought, God, this is, look, I'm only here for six hours. And in one of those amazing God moments, what he said to me was, you're my son. Nothing's too much trouble for my son. He put me up in a five-star hotel, in a suite, for six hours. Because he wanted me to understand and get the message, you are my son, I love you. And sometimes we need those God moments when God really speaks into our heart. That's the end of Sermon 1. So how do we apply that? Well, as I was, uh, we were singing and in the worship, It came to me that Jesus talked all the time if we listen carefully about living in love. But you have to listen carefully to what Jesus is saying. You see, we have to do things the Jesus way. And Jesus says to us, look, there is a way of doing these things and these ways are easy and my burden is light and you really don't have to struggle but you've got to do it my way, not your way. And the Jesus way is to live in love. Jesus had many opportunities when they arrested him, when they beat him, when they crucified him. He had lots of opportunity not to live in love, but he did. And Jesus taught that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, everything you've got. And then love your neighbour as yourself. And these are the two greatest commandments. And all the rest of scripture can be understood and interpreted through those two commands. So Jesus says there's an easy way. Then, I thought, Sermon on the Mount... Anybody read the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, some of you have, haven't you? Yeah, come on. When you read that, what do you think? What do you think? Jesus teaches that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. 
And then he sits down on the hill and he preaches a sermon. And at first glance, when we read it, it's like, well, the bar was this high. And what Jesus has now done, he says, nope, it's up here. You thought you could get over this one? Nope, I'm going to put it up here. So how on earth do we deal with this? Because, yeah, we know it's wrong to murder people. But Jesus said, well, actually, if you get angry with somebody or you call them a fool, that's just as bad. And you're thinking, what? You mean I can't shout at my wife anymore and get angry? How do we deal with this? What's Jesus doing? If you look at that sermon and you read it through again, but you read it through the eyes of love and saying this is how somebody who lives in love will live, then it starts to make sense. Shall we have a go? Now, we're not going to do the whole of Matthew 5, 6 and 7. I did say we might overrun, but that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? So we're going to do a bit of it. Now, I have to say... Matthew 5 starts with what we call the Beatitudes. And it's attitudes that describe the Christian way of living. The word blessed can also mean happy. And these Beatitudes have some interesting descriptions and outcomes. Now let's, let's look at this through the eyes of living in love and see what we see. Now, I have to say, I can't claim ownership of the pyramid. That came from Martin Lloyd-Jones on his book on the Sermon on the Mount. But if you're accepted and you're secure and you're valued, how can you interpret these, these words? Happy are the poor in spirit. Why? Why are they happy? Because they're accepted. They're secure and they're valued. They know that their poverty has been dealt with by God and that they belong to the kingdom of heaven. Because when you are loved, when you're accepted, when you're secure, when you are valued, you're part of God's kingdom. You're part of God's family. They're truly kingdom people because they live in love. And if we're kingdom people, we are people who live in love. Why can you be happy when you're mourning? Well, I mourn and I'm sorry for the things that I still get wrong. I still fail, God. But you know what? I'm accepted. I'm secure. I'm valued. I know that if I go and confess my sins, he is faithful and just and forgives my sin and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. So my sorrow lasts but for a moment. And then I'm happy. It makes us tender-hearted. It keeps us soft-hearted. It keeps us sensitive. So that when we sin, we want to keep a short account with God. And because we live in love, we want to enjoy the love and the presence of God. And we know that sin cuts us off from that. And therefore, we're absolutely desperate. 
to get right with God again. And we know that we're valued despite our shortcomings. Happy are the meek. Are you meek? Are you humble? Who's humble? (laughs) Who is humble here? (laughs) Oh, you're so funny, you lot. You know, if you're accepted by God and you're loved by God and you're secure in God and you've got value in God, what else matters? Who else matters? What's pride got to do with anything? Now, it says that Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. I have a little doubt about that because it says in there that Moses was the meekest person in all the earth. And I'm not sure that's very humble if you write that about yourself. But he was meek. Why? Because he knew who he was before God. He was the one that saw God face to face. He was the one that was in the presence of God. He didn't need anything else. And meekness isn't weakness. It's knowing who we are in Christ. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Happy are those that do that. Now, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? What do we mean by that word? It's a word we bandy around. We want to be hungry and thirsting after this thing called righteousness. What is it? It's being in right relationship with God. Do you hunger for that? Is that your desire? When you wake up in the morning, I want to be right with God today. I don't want to be walking right with God today. You see, God wants you to enjoy him as much as he enjoys you. Did you know that God enjoys you? Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm not sure. I am not convinced. I am not convinced that you know that God enjoys you. Happy are the poor in spirit. But happy are those two who are merciful. When you've been forgiven, when you are loved unconditionally by God, then being merciful is just so easy. When you know how much you've been forgiven, how much God has cleansed you, how much God has put up with you, then you can be merciful. Because that's what living in love is. And out of our security, out of our being accepted, out of our being valued, we can be merciful to others. And we can be generous too. Living in love, we experience the deep peace that passes all understanding. And because we experience that peace and we enjoy that peace, we see conflict and we want to bring peace. Because we're living in love and God is love and God wants to bring peace to the conflicts around us. And so he wants us to be the peacemakers, the people that get in between, the people that calm things down, the people that bring reconciliation because God reconciled the world to himself in Christ and he's given us that job of reconciliation. So as we live in love, we reconcile people to one another and we reconcile people to God.
To live in love is to live happy. Are you happy? <coughs> if you're happy and you know it. Oh, fantastic. You're there. You're still there. Good. Right, now then, this next slide is too long. Too much in it. So we're going to really run through it. Now, my favourite happy verse is the one there where God says, be happy when people say all nasty things about you. Have you been happy? When people mock you, people slander you, people malign you. Now, I have to say, I have been there. I have had people say all nasty things about me. All things that weren't true. All things that were horrible, disgusting, nasty, vindictive. But you know what? Can I tell you? Best thing to do. Can I tell you what the best thing to do? Come on. Guess what it is. Just laugh. Just laugh. Just laugh at them. How foolish are they? I'm accepted by God, you fool. No, you can't say that because that's... (laughs) You're in danger. I'm accepted. I'm secure. I'm loved. I'm valued. Wow. Laughing helps. And if you go through the whole of chapters 5, 6 and 7 and you look at this, those chapters, looking at it as people who live in love, it becomes understandable. Jesus talks about salt and light. Well, we are salt and light. If we live in love, we're salt. We're going to be preservers. We're going to bring a flavour. We're going to bring a difference to wherever we go. We're light. It doesn't mean to say you've got to try and be light. You are light. Because the love of God is in you. You carry the presence of Jesus with you. You're going to change the atmosphere wherever you go. You're going to bring the fragrance of Christ. You're going to bring blessing into situations. You're going to release kingdom power into situations. Wow. Because we're secure. We're loved. We're accepted. Now then, murder. Oh, we dealt with that, haven't we? Adultery. Oh my goodness, can't even look at another woman now. But when you're in love with the one that God's given you, you don't need that anymore. Love overcomes evil. Well, Jesus talked about a couple of things I'm skipping through now. He talked about slapping people around the face. Okay? Now, if you want to test somebody's real Christian maturity and whether they're living in love, turn to the person next to you and slap them around the face. Okay? No, don't do that. Okay? If they really are living in love, they'll turn the other cheek and say, hit me here. Okay? Tell you what, a better way of doing it is see where they're sitting this week and then sit in their chair next week. Okay? Ooh. And see if they're really living in love then. Okay? You know, they whipped Jesus but he lived in love. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When we fast, we shouldn't be seeking praise because we have our self-worth in Jesus, in God, because he loves us. And so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. But we do because we are. Do you get that? You do 
because you are. You don't try and do to be because you will fail. You do because you are. And sometimes you will still fail. But God is with us and God loves us and cares for us. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless them. Pray for them. He died for them. So why wouldn't you pray for them? You see, if we're going to be children of God and we're going to live in love, we must be imitators of God. We love because we are the SAS, okay? We're secure, accepted, and have self-worth. And God says that we can be perfect even as he is imperfect. And in Hebrews it says you are perfect being made holy. That's who you are. And sometimes we don't get it right. But that's who we are. And Jesus says to us, look, this is the prayer you should pray. And it starts with some very important words. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Your dad in heaven. Your papa in heaven. Whatever your name is for dad is there in heaven. And he loves you. It's that language of intimacy that God invites us into. It's the language of love that he wants us to know. He is the perfect father who's for us, not against us, who always has our best interest at heart. And when we live in love, we call him dad. We call him my father who is in heaven. And living in love is to know that you're a child of God, that you truly are a child of God. And to each one of you this morning, he says to you, you are my son, my daughter, there's nothing too much trouble for me. That's who you are. That's who you are. And when we live in love, and we're faced with people who do things against us, Jesus said very simply, forgive them. And if you're secure in who you are, and you know you're valued by God, and you know you're loved unconditionally, then why can't you forgive? How can you not forgive when he's given, forgiven you so much? So to live in love is to live a life that is constantly, constantly tread on our toes and bump into us and hurt our egos, tread on our pride and all the other stuff that goes on. Let it go. Live in love, just as Jesus lived in love. Now, you're going to have to indulge me. I'm a child of my generation. And I couldn't think of any way to close this sermon than to have a little bit of this. And if you know the song, it goes on like that for the rest. (laughs) 
several minutes. Summed it up. Now, I, if ever there was a prophetic song written that's God inspired but played by a very popular music band, that's got to be one of them. No one that can be saved that can't be saved. Nothing you can do that can't be done. Those are words that speak to us who are kingdom people. And yeah, I believe God spoke to, to speaks to the world through that song. So dare to believe. You are who God says you are. You're part of the SAS. Believe in your identity. Believe that you can live in love, that you're called to live in love, that you are love because God is in you and God is love. And then, if you want to experience more of God's love this morning, let's just stand together because I'm just going to ask that uh, Darlene plays on the... And I don't know, maybe just the Beatles are going to stick in your head all morning now, but maybe God has spoken to you through something that's been said. Words that have been given this morning. If it's you that's seeking, then come forward. Because God wants to meet with you this today. If you want, if you're experiencing doubt today, come forward. And we'll pray with you. Because God wants to free you from doubt today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.